happy Sunday to you guys. Good to see you all. Um, filling in for Amanda, if you guys didn't know, she, uh, she got married last week to, uh, to Stephen. Um, Pastor Steve is going to tell a story later about how him and his family won the dance-off. Please don't believe him. He's lying. I was there. He doesn't dance as well as you think he can. But uh, yeah, excited to worship with you guys this morning. So uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's sing together. Communion and in your holy 
now we get that chance to sing Swing Wide, You Heavenly Gates, as the people of the Lord enter in to praise Him. That's what we're here for this morning, to praise our Lord and Savior. Let's sing this as a family. Swing Wide. Swing Wide, and all you heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, you guys sound amazing. Children, clean hands, pure hearts, give praise to God. His name is Jesus. Swing wide, here we go. Swing wide, now you have Let the praise go up as the walls come down. Now creation, everything with breath, repeats the sound. All his children. Father 
fresh on us in a special and a profound and a powerful way we pray Lord we thank you God for your holiness God we thank you God that you've imputed your righteousness God you've made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus by your grace Lord God you filled us you've overcome the world in us God you've obliterated the sin in our lives Lord God and we're so thankful God we invite you to continue that work of sanctification the work of holiness God that we would say yes and amen to everything that you want to do in our lives Lord God we are so thankful for who you are Jesus so thankful Holy Spirit fill this place we pray Lord thank you for your grace thank you for your grace
bless you, Lord. I welcome you, Lord. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God, for every for every person gathered, Lord, we just pray for God the the touch that is needed. God, that you administer, God, grace and healing and deliverance, encouragement. God, that you'd set people free today and welcome people into your kingdom, Lord. God, that souls will be added to the kingdom as a result of this service today, Lord, this time of worship and prayer and time in the word and hearing testimonies, Lord God. We just we invite you, God, to do supernaturally, abundantly above everything that we might hope or imagine in Christ Jesus. God, that we would just be surprised, and yet we shouldn't be surprised, but we will be surprised by your goodness, Lord God. So continue to surprise us and work in our lives and our God, for every church that lifts up the name of Jesus here on the Central Coast, here in this area, Lord, we just bless them, Lord. We bless them. We pray grace upon them, Lord. God, provision for them. God, that the power of God would fall heavily and substantially, Lord God, and move wonderfully so in the hearts and lives of our brothers and sisters and churches all over the Central Coast, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord God. We love you. We thank you for this time, Jesus. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So we're going to do things just a little bit differently today. We're going to take communion up front before um, the service is preached or the sermon is preached. And uh, so if you need elements, go ahead and raise your hand. If you need communion elements, raise your hand. We have runners who will get those to you. So who are our runners? We got runners. Good. Thank you. We might need another runner. We might need another runner. Levi, why don't you do that? Why don't you be a runner, Levi? <laughs> you want to be a runner? Elements should be over there. There we go. And Jack throwing his brother under the bus. It's no fun. <laughs> We're getting them. Keep your hands up if you need them. Keep your hands up. Here we go. The fourth Sunday of the month, we take communion and remembering just the grace and the goodness of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been singing about him all morning, and uh, we're going to celebrate him some more as we take communion. All right, did we get everybody? I think we got everybody. All right. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 and following, he says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's take the wafer, the bread. remember, Lord. We remember our desperate, desperate need for your grace. If you're here today and you've never accepted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you know you need it, I would just say, reach out, 
pray to the Lord and he will come into your life. He will forgive your sins. If you simply say, Jesus, I need you. I don't even know why I need you, but I know that I need you. I need you to come into my life and I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to make me whole again. I need you to guide and direct me to take over the leadership of my life. As you declare your heart to the Lord in the quietness of your own mind and heart, God hears and he responds and he, he runs to you as you run to him. So Lord, we just invite you to move today. And for those who have maybe been hesitant about accepting the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. God, over, all over this campus, Lord God. And for those who watch online, Lord God, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. God, thank you for salvation. If you've received the grace message, the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the blood of Christ has washed over your sins. And it's a peculiar, supernatural, wonderful thing that God does. We don't fully grasp it, but we can fully appreciate it and live in it. And so thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Verse 25, 1 Corinthians 11. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the juice. God, we're so refreshed by your grace. It never gets old, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the patience and the forgiveness of God, it just never, ever gets old. And we never run out of need of it, Lord. And so we thank you that you are patient with us. You love us. Your grace is sufficient. Your love is unconditional. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us to walk in the new life that we've been given and the power that we've been filled with, with the grace that has washed over us, Lord. We love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for this time and for the balance of this service we just give you. We give you permission, control, authority. We ask for you to reign and rule supreme in our space all over the campus, online, Lord, in our hearts and in our lives, we pray. Thank you for your, your goodness. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now stand up <laughs> and then meet somebody that you've never, ever met before, and we'll come back in just a few minutes.
man, you met somebody new, brand new. All right, so a third of, a part of you did the job, right? <laughs> Thank you for that. Welcome back. So my son and um, his wife are now married off. They've been uh, married for a week and a day. So I, I tried to call my son yesterday. I'm like, just to check in on him, you know? <laughs> right to voicemail, right to voicemail. So a few minutes later, he texts me, hey, dad, everything all right? What's up? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm just checking in on you. He said, hey, dad, we're still in the honeymoon phase. <laughs> so we're not taking phone calls. I'm like, whatever, whatever, do your thing. <laughs> well, they're home now. Um, they're home now. They, went, they spent three nights in Cambria and then like four nights down in Palm Springs. And so they're back now. We had a wonderful time. And uh, some, of you, some of you may have heard of the, the dance-off at the wedding. There's been a bit of rumors going about about this dance-off. And so the, the tradition with the Coles, which is Amanda's family, they've married off four of, their, four of their kids now, I believe. And so every wedding, they have a choreographed dance. And there's a dance-off between the parents of the bride and the parents of the groom. So we got sucked into that. And, and um, so the results of the dance-off, of course, the Henrys killed it. And um, we, um, they would tell you different, but... Um, we had a wonderful celebration uh, last Saturday. It was just so, so good. So, hey, remember to pray for our youth. There, uh, there are 39 young people and six adults, up, leaders up in the mountains at a camp right now. I think they may be heading back today. So I remember God really supernaturally touching my life in junior high school. It's where I formally gave my life formally gave my life to the Lord and under Gary Tucker's leadership here. And um God's been faithful. So my prayer every time youth go off is that they would just be slammed by God's goodness and filled with his presence and his spirit and that God would do wonderful, life-changing, life-altering things. And so life-altering things. Alterating is probably not a word, right? Altering things. So, um, hey, today we've got a good friend of mine, Fred and Pam, are, they're here. They've been, Fred and Pam, Come on up, Fred. They've been in this area for, in fact, Pam, why don't you come up as well? These guys have been here since 2016. I remember the day that I met Fred at a pastor's gathering, and um, we have been connected for the last 16 years. Um, we met each other in Hawaii a number of years ago and um, just uh, connected there. And uh, I was talking with Fred recently. I needed some counsel about some things. So I said, hey, Fred, what do you think? And, uh, and then we started talking and he wrote a book and he's going to tell you all about that. And the book um, really is about modern day heroes of faith. And we just went through the first half of Hebrews 11 talking about the heroes of faith. And next week, I'll finish up Hebrews 11 finishing the stories there in Hebrews 11. But I thought in the middle, it would be a great idea just to have Fred come and share um, just 21st century stories about how God uses someone who's available just to do his work and his will, to accomplish his plans and his purposes. So here we are, we got Fred and Pam here. So I just wanna pray, pray over them, pray blessing upon them. And uh, why don't you extend your hand and just bless them. So Lord, we bless these guys. We are so thankful for Fred and Pam, Lord, and for who they are in this region, Lord. They love you. They've served you faithfully. And in this new season, a new life of ministry, we pray, God, that you would strengthen them, 
Continue to give them uh, clarity and vision and wisdom and open doors, we pray, Lord. Open doors for ministry all over the Central Coast, all over the state, all over the country, and all over the world, Lord God. So we just pray blessing upon them. Bless this work, this book that has been written. Uh, pray that it would touch a million souls, Lord. We want it to touch a million souls, Lord God. So we just invite you to do that. Be glorified, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we really love Pastor Steve and Jolene, and they've been such good friends to us through all the years over here. We, we used to have a small group of pastors. We met for three years every week, getting together, and um, this, such a special, special time, and I really appreciate. And um, hey, hey um, uh, I was going to begin by uh, telling you how great I was but I decided not to waste your time and uh, instead tell you about how great Jesus is. But um, <clears throat> I want to pray, and then uh, the Lord's given me a, a word for someone here, and so let's just pray right now. Father, we thank you again for the communion we just had celebrating what you did for us. We thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus and your body that was given so that we might be made whole. We thank you for that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here, and we acknowledge you right now, Holy Spirit. Come on, everybody, acknowledge him. He's right here in this room with us. And Holy Spirit, there's some things you want to do and some things you want to say, and we just submit to you and relinquish ourselves to you and have your way in our lives. Let my words be spirit and life to everyone that hears. I pray that in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Well, I got a word for this brother right here on the front row in the middle. Have we met before? Okay, would you stand up? What's your name? Noah. Noah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to get in the boat with Noah. How about you? <laughs> Noah, I, I, I was just sitting over there, and the Lord just highlighted you to me. <clears throat> and uh, it gave me this verse of Scripture for you. Uh, you may not be, un you're probably not unfamiliar with it, but it's in, found in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. It says this. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. It says, Seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is wholly his. And the Lord said to me, that You are that man, that the, the eyes of the Lord have been searching all over the earth, and his eye is on you right now. And, uh, and I just see, I don't know all what that means, but I know it's going to be powerful through your life. God's really going to use you because he's found a heart in you that just wants to be his heart. Is that right? You want his, your heart to be his heart. So I want to pray for you, Noah. Father, I thank you for Noah. And uh, I see that you've been through a lot of hurtful things in the past, but God says, forget those things. Let them go. Forget the past because there's a new day ahead for you, and it's a big day. It's a powerful day. And uh, because he's found his heart in you, his heart is wholly yours. Your heart is wholly his, I mean. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing over him, and I pray for an increase, 
in his life. I pray that for a, a, a whole new ability, as you read the word of God, it's gonna open up to you like never before. It's gonna be like you're reading the Bible and God's gonna be speaking directly to you over and over again through the word of God. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, let's give Jesus a clap for that one. Well, today my assignment uh, is to talk to you uh, not a, I, yes, I did write a book. Uh, I, I, actually, I wasn't planning on writing a book. It started in March of la- this last year. I was being interviewed uh, on a national network, and they were just interviewing me, and I was just sharing stories, and I kept talking about one act of obedience, one act of obedience. And uh, the person that was interviewing me said, you ought to write a book about this. And I thought, yeah, I should. <laughs> and uh, then as I, I realized, oh, it's really the Lord telling me to write this book. So I began to write, and it just flowed. It was just like easy to write. And I'm writing the book, and then I'm thinking, well, how am I going to publish this book? I have a daughter in Berkeley who is a novelist, so she's published some novels and so on. But um, I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to publish my book? And then I all of a sudden, I come across an advertisement from Trinity Broadcasting Network, TBN, saying they're looking for new authors, especially if it had to do with evangelism. And so uh, I called them on the phone, and I said, hey, I'm writing this book. And they said, well, you know, we don't know if we want to publish your book or not, but if, send us a couple chapters, and we'll get back to you. So I sent them a couple chapters, and seven days later, they called me and said, we want to publish your book. And so it just went off to the publishing company just this week, actually. I was waiting to get acknowledgments, but Pastor Steve wouldn't acknowledge me, but (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm sending it anyhow. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And so so it's off, and the title of the book, I'm I'm kind of debating there. uh, I I titled it One Simple Act of Obedience, but really the phrase God gave me was one act of obedience. And I'll show you where it came from. It's found, and it's going to be on the screen here, in Romans 5, verse 19. Romans 5, verse 19. Notice this. It says, as by the one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now, the one man uh, some versions do it different, the, you know, the man. It's talking about Jesus. Through the disobedience of Adam, we all became sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we were born into sin, right? Right? No, just checking. Okay. And, um, uh, and so, but then it says, through one man's obedience, which is Jesus' perfect obedience, many will be made righteous. But I got caught with the phrase, one act of obedience. I saw, you know, how many of you think we might be living in the last days? Three people, okay. (laughs) The rest of you are in for a surprise, okay? (laughs) And, um, uh, And so the question should be for every one of us, what should I be doing? What should I be doing? Well, I don't think we even have to wait for the last days to know what to do, but what should I be doing? For sure, right now. And um, so I, my wife and I were in Israel in 2017, and uh, it was, I'd been in 
I ministered in 41 different countries, but I'd never been to Israel, so we were in Israel. And while we were there, uh, kind of give you a little background here, we, had, uh, we were just turning our church over to a young guy. And so we were stepping out of being uh, pastors. Uh, we were pastors for 32 years, and I traveled in ministry for a number of years, been in full-time ministry, whatever you want to call it, for uh, 41, 42 years. But we're in Israel, and while we were there, God said, I want you to call your ministry, that what you're going to do now, as you go ministries, as you go ministries. And I'll share kind of how that came about. And so I came back from Israel, and while I was there, it's just like if you've ever been to Israel, the land speaks to you. Wherever you go, it's just you hear the voice of God speaking to you over and over and over again. And so I came back and I had a renewed desire to study Matthew 24. Now, uh, Matthew 24, how many of you have ever read Matthew 24? Same three people, okay. <laughs> Matthew 24 is where Jesus' disciples ask him, tell us what the signs of the end times will be before you come back. Tell us the signs. So you've probably, most of us here have heard this. Well, there'll be wars, oh my gosh, and rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes. Just had one yesterday. In fact, it went all the way around the world. There was an earthquake that happened in multiple places around the world. There will be pestilence or sickness and diseases that will come. Uh, there will be, it says, people will hate one another. Don't look at anybody right now. <laughs> People will hate one another. And here's another one of the signs. Many will be offended. Come on. I'm about to offend you today, so you might as well get ready <laughs> to forgive me ahead of time. Many, have you ever seen, I, at least in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like how many people are so easily offended today. You know, no matter what you say, you know. That offends me. Well, get over it. Grow up. Stop it. And so, and then Jesus, here's the last sign. This number's at the end of the list. Here's all the signs that are going to happen. And then he gives one more sign. And here's what it is. It's going to be on the screen here. Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Do you all see that? And then, so we're like, okay, what? we got the wars, we got the rumors of wars, we got the sickness, we got the hating one another, we got the people being persecuted, we got all these things happening, but the one thing that's going to end it all is going to be this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the nations and then the end will come. So I just got arrested. You know, so I'm, I come back from Israel and I'm just looking at Matthew 24 and I just landed on this verse. Like God said, this is, this, you gotta get this. So, uh, you know, throughout my history with the Lord, I've been, I got saved in 1970 on the side of a mountain in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. I was a hippie drug addict and just had a sovereign encounter with the Lord. Uh, but all, you know, and by the way, uh, do I have any ex-hippies here? Any ex-hippies? Okay, I got a couple of them, all right. Um, us hippie Christians, uh, when we got saved in 1970, 
uh, we heard about, this book came out called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. It was all about that the rapture was about to come. So we were fixated on the end times. I knew I was going to be raptured at any moment. I was afraid. I didn't know. You know, I, if I felt anything kind of shaking or anything, I'm like, whoop, here we go. <laughs> we're out of here. And, um, uh, and so um, we were, because of that, we were desperate about getting people saved. We believed that Jesus was coming back. We're going to be raptured and so on. And um, so throughout my years as a pastor, it seems strange to me. I don't know if you do this, Steve. But I keep having to come back and to the gospel and say, do I really understand the gospel? I have to keep asking my, I have to go back and say, okay, do I really get it? And so here in this passage, Jesus says, the major sign of my coming back is that this gospel, not just any gospel, of the kingdom, everybody say, of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed or preached in all the nations, and then the end will come. So I'm focusing on that. I'm like, okay, I got to get this, Lord. What is the gospel of the kingdom? And the Lord led me to uh, another uh, passage, uh, which is found, we're going to put it on the screen here, in Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. So we, my, Pam and I have a ministry, the name of our ministry uh, we still, we still are, are part of our church. We turned our church over to a young guy three years ago, and the church has moved to, to Santa Maria. It's exploded. Uh, we're there every week. You know what? Uh, I, tell you, I didn't tell you this, but I think I told you this. You know, we have nine speakers that rotate at our church. Nine. Uh, I was talking to the pastor today. He only preached once this last month. We're like, we'll get back to you, future pastor. And right now, we're preaching. And uh, both men and women, and it's awesome. Uh, anyhow, <clears throat> I don't know why I went there, but anyhow. So this gospel of the kingdom. So I had to go back and say, well, what is the gospel of the kingdom? And it's found in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. So Jesus is now assigning his disciples to go out and preach the gospel. Y'all with me? And so here's what he says. He says, and this is the name of our ministry, and as you go, like, whoa, okay, as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And so my understanding of the gospel of the kingdom is that it is a show and tell gospel, a show and tell. It's not just words, although words are important. I, I hear people quoting this quote all the time, uh, and it makes me angry, actually, just to be honest with you. They say, uh, you know, by all means, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Okay? That sounds really spiritual, but it's totally wrong. It's totally unbiblical, because the gospel is words. And, uh, and, they, and then they say St. Francis of Assisi said it, and the fact is, he didn't say it. I don't know who said it, but they needed... No, I do know who said it. It was actually a writer back in the early 1900s here in America, and he was just telling Christians, you ought to act like Christians. And, um, and so, but the gospel of the kingdom is 
a demonstration of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus and the power of Jesus uh, being manifest with the preaching of the Word of God, of the declaration that there's a kingdom, and it's Jesus' kingdom, the God who is raised from the dead, who's alive right now, and, and so, uh, so I, you know, I'm just honing in on that, and, um, and then I began, kind of, when I started getting into this book, I realized that's kind of what God's been doing with me for many, many years. I began, I would demonstrate the kingdom, not that I, although we're sent out to, to do that, and I would demonstrate the kingdom and then see people get saved at the encounter they would have with Jesus. And it came in all different forms and different ways and so on. Now, one of the things, this is the last verse I'm going to share, as I just want to share some stories with you. So as I talk to Christians, let me back up here. Let me just tell you what's wrong in America. Anybody? Come on. CNN, Fox News. Everybody's telling you what's wrong in America, but I'm going to tell you the truth. What's wrong in America is the, is the average Christian, whatever that means, stopped sharing Jesus with people in America. We would not be in the situation we're in right now because the enemy saw the open door. The enemy saw, okay, the church is backing off, so I'm moving in. And, 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 hey, you know what? The first service told me that you guys were the, like the on-fire ones. I just wanted to <laughs> double-check here. And so we, we, it's actually possible for a Christian to get saved, born again, go through their whole life, die, and never share Jesus with anybody else. So God, when he says what's wrong with a nation, he says this in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people that are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from the wicked ways. Then I will heal their land, and I will forgive. So the, the problem in America is not the, the leftist or the rightist or the, any of that. It's the church. It's us. We've got the answer. America was founded to be actually a nation that would be a Christian nation. And somehow, I'm not, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about all those other Christians out there. <laughs> somehow we have lost our way and forgot about our responsibility to represent Jesus every day in our life. So let me, so I, I was talking to one of my past friends years ago, and uh, he's been a missionary in different parts of the world and all this, and so we're talking on the phone just a week ago, and I was just talking about this thing about sharing Jesus with people and so on. He says, well, you know, I, I'm really not called to be an evangelist. And I'm like, what? He says, yeah, yeah, no, that's not my gift. I said, well, let, wait a minute, let's stop here. I totally disagree with you. Yes, you're not called to be an evangelist, but 2 Corinthians, let's put it on the screen, chapter five, verses 18 through 20 says this. And God has given Who? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, we is us. <laughs> God has given us, us, the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And, here it is again, in case we didn't get the first one, he gave us 
this wonderful message of reconciliation. It's the gospel. So we, what? Are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, I don't know if you know this. I'm, I'm assuming you do. I'm trying to assume some things here. Uh, you know that the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter one that all people were created in the image of God. In the image of God, they were created both male and female. And God gave them dominion in the earth. So God's original intention was to have a people that represented him on the earth. Ambassadors. An ambassador is someone that represents their country and they have authority and they have a responsibility to represent their country in a foreign land. Um, in case you haven't checked lately, we're in a foreign land. If you're a born-again Christian, you're not of this world. Come on. You, you are of another kingdom. We come from God's kingdom. We've been born into a completely new species of people. You know, I, I discovered the other day, not the other day, a while back, that I believe in aliens. I, I, Pastor, have you taught on aliens? I hope you have. I, I believe in aliens. It's just that I believe that we are the aliens. We're not of this world. We're here to represent the kingdom of God Wherever we go, every day. Come on, you gotta go tell your neighbor, did you know I was an alien? <laughs> and so, understanding that, uh, then, I, so in, as God gave us this ministry, as you go, proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, raise the dead, freely receive, freely give. As God gave us that, um, I realized that what then God said to me, I want you to activate in America one million Christians in lifestyle Christianity. Now, what do I mean by lifestyle Christianity? It's not going to church on Sunday. It's representing Jesus on Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and yes, on Sunday. We are, so lifestyle Christianity is, Jesus is my life. Watchman Nee, if you've ever read any of his books, somebody asked him to define what a Christian is, and he says, a Christian he's, is Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. A Christian is Christ living his life through my life. Are you all with me? It's like, we didn't come to church for this. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> so what does that look like? So my book is simply uh, 22 chapters of stories of how that's happened through my life. Not that I've been perfect. I've messed up. I've missed it. Uh, I missed divine opportunities, all that. I don't want to paint myself as anything. But I'll just give you a couple of examples. How am I doing on time? Okay. I got another hour? Is that what it is? Okay. All right. Well, they didn't say that in the first service. Who will give me five minutes? Raise your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20. <laughs> So, um, 
just what happened to me. So it's not just about me. It's about, so my, my goal is, in this book, what I mean activate, is that I want to get one million Christians in America who will do acts of obedience. They will do acts of obedience. And the thing the Lord showed me is that it says, through one man's act of obedience, many will be made righteous. Through your act of obedience, it's going to make somebody else righteous. Come on. So, well, are you telling me to go door to door and witness? No, unless God tells you to do that. What I am telling you to do is obey the Holy Spirit, obey the, look for the opportunity. I'll explain all that. So let me give you an example. So I get saved. Uh, no, before I got saved, when I was in high school, um, the, my, uh, no, before I was in high school, when I was a little kid, my, we had this neighbor friend, Amy Piedmont. She was the wildest one. She could have outdanced Pastor Steve. She was the wildest woman in our neighborhood. She could, she could drink bourbon, smoke a cigar, and dance all at the same time. That was wild back then. And my mom came home. They were friends with my mom and dad, and she came home one night, one day, and she said to me, that Amy's no fun anymore. She's got religion, which was my mom's interpretation of Amy got saved. So I didn't think anything about it until I was in high school. Freshman year, I'm walking to school, and I made the mistake, I thought, of walking down Amy Street. I'm walking down the street as I'm going past her house. Eight o'clock in the morning, Amy walks out of her house walks into the middle of the street, grabs me by the arm, and she's trying to put some little booklet in my hand telling me I need God. And I looked at her, and I shook her off, and I ran down the street, and I yelled back, Amy, you're a fanatic. <laughs> and I determined to never go down Amy Street ever again, and I never did. Until at the age of 22, when I had an encounter with God on the side of a mountain, I got born again, folks, I got saved, and I lost all my friends. I was part of a commune. Some of you don't know what that means, but then <laughs> I was hippie drug addict, blah, 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 and I get saved, and I lose all my hippie friends. They think he's had this God encounter. It's weird, and stay away from him, and so I didn't know who to talk to, and then I remembered Amy Piedmont. Went over her house, knocked on the door. She comes to the door. Here I am standing with buckskin clothes, beads, you know. <laughs> and I have a new added attraction. I'm wearing a big wooden cross hanging around my neck. And I said, hi, Amy, I'm a fanatic too. And she kind of took two steps back and kind of looked, up, looked me up and down. She said, well, come in here and tell me about this. So I shared with her, and, and, and she just started bawling. She, she said, Fred, you've been, you've been born again. You've, you've encountered Jesus, and... She became my mentor for the next six months. I was over her house every day after work, and she would pray with me. She would teach me. She would, you know, show me things in the Bible and so on. I'm totally indebted to an Amy Piedmont who did one act of obedience by coming out in the street, taking that risk of being rejected, not caring about that, loving me enough to risk her time, risk her life, risk her rejection to tell me that I needed Jesus in my life. I only had three people like that in my entire life that ever did that kind of thing. And so what we need is more Amy Piedmonts, right? We need to realize that you are the supernatural answer to your neighbor's condition right now. See, the, the, Jesus said this, 
He said, he said, the harvest is what? The harvest is not that good. No, he said the harvest is ripe, but the problem is there's few workers. There's not many workers willing to, to represent the kingdom of God. And so I'm on a mission. We're on a mission to activate people. And so you guys are the first victims this week. And... Um, to activate us. So let me just tell you uh, a couple more stories here. Um, this one, so I have lots of these. Pastor Steve would tell you I got a boatload of these. But um, so this happened uh, several years ago. I was, uh, I was in uh, Wisconsin, and I was teaching in ch- churches and stuff in Wisconsin. And I was going to have, uh, I went back to the airport in Milwaukee to go home, and I was only going to have like a couple days at home and then I had to fly out again and, and so on. So I get to the airport and the fog comes in. And, and they keep announcing, You're, the plane is delayed till, you know, 12 o'clock. The plane is delayed till 2 o'clock. The plane is delayed till 4 o'clock. So I started getting the idea, the plane isn't going anywhere. So I went to the counter and I just said, hey, let's be honest here. We're not flying out of here today, right? They go, right. I said, well, listen, I know what's going to happen. Everybody's going to be looking for a hotel room. Get me a hotel. And so I went and stayed in a hotel, and I was mad. I was angry with God. I was kicking the walls, literally. And I'm like, God, I only had a couple days home, and now I'm stuck here in Milwaukee, and I want to go home, and this is not fair, God. And so, you know, I had my little tantrum and got over it, but so the next day I go to the airport, they start the same thing over again. Well, the flight's been, I'm like, oh no. And then they go, okay, the fog is lifting, we're gonna fly out. I'm like, hallelujah, you know. And so I'm just so excited, I'm gonna get to go home. And I, so I go get on the plane and I just go to my seat, I'm like, I'm so happy because I get to go home. And so I'm sitting there and there's nobody sitting next to me and I happen to, you know, when you fly a lot, you look down the aisle and you just observe people coming in. Well, this big old guy comes in, looks like Paul Bunyan. You know, he's got the beard. He's just a huge guy, six foot seven, I don't know what, and big. And he's drunk. <laughs> and he's literally banging his way down the aisle, bumping into people and talking really loud. And I'm, I'm watching this guy and I think, man, I feel sorry for whoever that guy's sitting next to you. <laughs> Yeah, you got it already. Uh, it was me. So he comes in, he gets on the plane, he sits next to me, and I'm literally looking up at him, and he turns around, he goes, I want to talk. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he proceeds to tell me what a mean guy he is, how he beats up people, and he's talking about all this stuff, and he, he caught his wife at a bar with the, he was, he was there with two other guys, and he's telling me, I knocked one guy out with the cue ball, the other guy I threw through the plate glass window in the front of the bar, and he's just, he's just going on and on about what a mean, mad, terrible guy he is. And so I'm sitting there, and his name is Bill, and as he's going along, I said, well, Bill, why are you in, you know, here in Milwaukee? And I sure heard a little crack in his voice. And he says, well, I'm, my nephew, you know, got a hold of me and said, you know, Uncle Bill, are you ever going to come and go fishing with me or something like that? So I heard this little crack. crack. And then, so then I'm sitting there, and then I think, I think, I got to confront this guy. And so I turned to Bill, and I put my finger right in his chest. 
And I, I'm thinking, I'm never going to see this finger again. <laughs> and I said, I said, Bill, you need Jesus. And to my shock, I'm getting ready to like get pummeled. He breaks down and starts bawling. And he said, you know, there's this guy at work and he's been talking to me about Jesus and, and he gave me a Bible and I've been reading this Bible and all that stuff. And right there on that plane, Bill gets born again, receives Jesus as his savior. And um, he, we get to the airport in Kansas City is where we we're going to. We get there, he grabs me, he goes, my mom's coming here. He grabs me, he takes me, he goes, mom, mom, look at this preacher guy, man. He just led me to Jesus, you know, he's all changed. He's, he's got, he's shining, he's doing all this stuff. Now, here's the significant thing about that. God changed the weather. God changed my schedule because of one person that he wanted to bring into the kingdom of God. It was then I began to understand, whoa, this is a bigger deal than we ever thought about. God will move mountains for one person, but we've got to be on the move. We've got to be what Isaiah 119 says, willing and obedient so we can eat the good of the land. Now, so again, I have lots of these stories, but let me move forward. I'll just tell you a current story I shared in the first service. So Pam and I, we lived in Napomo for the whole time we've been here since 2006, and then three years ago, we bought a, a, a townhome in Santa Maria, and we moved to Santa Maria. All my Napomo people said, no, you don't want to go to Santa Maria. It's a terrible place. You don't want to go there. And, but we kept feeling God wanted us to go there, and by the way, eventually our church, we were pastoring, moved to Santa Maria. is now within a mile of where we live, and just so God set it all up. So anyhow... So we moved to this condo, and then a little while after we're there, this young couple moves in next door with the adjoining wall on the other side of our, our not condo, but townhome. And so, uh, you know, okay, great, this is exciting. We got this young couple moving in. The only, the only issue was that they really like music. I mean, they really like music. They like for everybody in the whole block to like their music. And we've got the adjoining wall, and especially their base. And so I would be trying to take a nap, but the bed is vibrating from the base, you know, what do you call it, waves coming through the wall and everything. And then I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to say something. So, you know, here, I haven't even met him yet. So I go over, knock on the door. The young husband comes to the door, and I said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> But I, I'm not enjoying your music quite as much as you. I didn't say it that way, but I just said, would you mind turning the music down? Which they did, and, and they, that was great. Especially when I had my gun strapped to my side. It was, <laughs> I knew that they would comply. I'm just kidding. So some time goes by, and then I pull. Our driveways are right next to each other. And so I pull in one day, and there's an older man standing in the driveway, uh, which I later find out is the, is the young man's father, and he's got a brace on his knee. And so I get out of the car, I see him, and I go, I just yell across the driveways, hey, what happened to your knee? He said, oh, I've, I've blown my knee. Uh, next week I'm going in and I'm having an operation on my knee. And I said, well, how about if I just come and pray for you right now? And he's like, sure. So I go over into his driveway, I kneeled down in front of the guy, 
and I grab his knee, and I just begin to speak healing into his knee. Don't see anything dramatic happen, and uh, that was it. So then I went on into my house, and so a couple of weeks later, I see him. He's there in the driveway again. He doesn't have the brace on. I said, well, what, tell me, what, how's your knee doing? He says, oh, I went to get the surgery, and they said, you don't need any surgery. Your knee's fine. I'm like, cool, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so then a period of time goes by, and now we're in 2020 during the beginning of the COVID situation. It was around November, something like that. I get a knock on my door. I go to the door, and it's the, uh, it's the son. And he's standing there, and he goes, hey, could I borrow an egg? I'm like, sure, I'll give you two. <laughs> and so I go in and get a couple of eggs, and and so I go out and I give him the eggs, and he goes, well, he says, really what it is, I need you to pray for me. He said, I've been in bed for over a month in depression because I lost my job and all this, and I don't want, know what to do. And so I just put my arm around him and said, hey, just like a dad would, you're going to be okay. This is no big deal. Yeah, we have things that happen, but you're going to be all right and all that. And he looks at me, he says, you don't, tear in his eyes, he goes, you don't understand, God made me come over here <laughs> for you to pray for me. And so, no problem, I said, I, I've got faith for jobs, and so I just laid hands on him, and I prayed, you know, that God would give him a great job, and blah, 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 blah. So I didn't see him again for like three weeks. So three weeks later, I see him, and he, and he goes, um, I go, hey, how, how are you doing? Oh, he says, I'm so sorry I didn't tell you. He said, the very next day, I got offered three major jobs that I didn't even apply for. And I took them. I'm doing great. They, they even started paying me ahead uh, to take care of us uh, for this job. I'm like, cool. Then we come up to, uh, again, it's 2020. We come up to December and here it is right at Christmas time. We get another knock on the door. Here's the dad and the son standing at the door with a big gift basket. And they go, hey, we just, we just wanted to come over and give you this. We don't do this for anybody else, but we love you. Now they're coming to our church. Come on. And so, you know, this, those are just a couple of examples and there's, and you, you got to understand, you're the miracle that, that is waiting to happen for the people that are around you. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as what I'm talking about. I threw some fairly dramatic ones out there. It could be a text. It could be a, I'm praying for you, or it could be a, give them a little money. You're standing at the gas pump. Hey, can I buy your gas? And all kinds of ways to, that you, but the key is one act of obedience. You just obey. Now, you say, well, as soon as God talks to me, I'll obey. Well, he doesn't have to talk to you. You can just be moved with compassion. I was uh, in, I walked my neighborhood and pray uh, over everybody there, and uh, the other day I'm walking along, and there's a lady in her garage, and I noticed that she has a brace on her knee. So I thought, well, I don't want to, like, yell at her. I'll take another lap around. I'll come back around. She's still there. I'll... So I come back around. She's still standing there, and I go, hey, <laughs> yelled this lady in her garage, hey, what's wrong with your leg? She goes, I have cancer. And not only that, this has been the worst year of my life. This year, my parents died, my son died, 
and they told me I had cancer. I said, well, can I pray for you? She said, yeah. So I laid hands on her, and the next week she went to L.A. for a special clinic to get some tests done on her cancer and all that. So I didn't see her for a couple, a week or so, and I see her, and I said, hey, how are you doing? She said, they tell me I don't have any cancer. <laughs> so God's just looking for us. You don't have to have, I didn't have God speak to me, you ought to talk to that lady. I was just moved by compassion, seeing her situation. That's, uh, by the way, that's how God talks to us many times. He just moves our heart with compassion. So I want to end with this. I want to give you some simple steps that will help you to begin to activate one act of obedience through your life. Here they are. They're on the screen. Number one, acknowledge that it is our responsibility to demonstrate the kingdom of God. You don't have to be an evangelist. If you're a Christian, and by a Christian I mean you have God living in you, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Number two, ask the Lord to fill you with love for the lost. Give you a heart for the lost. Number three, stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter five says, we are to be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. So it isn't just a one-time, well, yeah, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled the Holy Spirit back in 1972. No, I need the Holy Spirit every day. I need to get filled. Why? Because we all leak, right? We gotta get refilled. Because it's really the Holy Spirit working through you. That's what's happening. Number four, present your body. This is Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, right? Present your body a, a living and holy sacrifice. God's not looking for dead people. He's looking for live people. One of my chapters, as I mentioned in the first service, is the title is God Wants Your Bod. God wants your bod. Well, I gave him my money on Sunday. You know, I gave him like, you know, an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. I mean, come on. No, he wants your body on Monday and on Tuesday, on Wednesday and Thursday and so on. God wants your body. Number five, walk around with the eyes of your heart open. We gotta break out of this my world, my bubble. All I see is what's happening with me. And we need to lift up, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see the harvest is ripe, right? Told his disciples that twice. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest is ripe. So we just need to walk through life with our eyes open and look around us. There's plenty of need out there right now. Let me just tell you, the harvest is super ripe right now. People are desperate for someone that will just look at them and say, you know what? You're gonna be okay. I believe in you. I believe God's gonna do something great in your life. And you don't have to just go in there and blast them with the gospel necessarily. You're gonna get to that. But you're, you just wanna approach them and say, how are you doing? Tell me your story. What's going on in your life? And then listen for the need and say, could I just pray for you right now? And number six, five, six, be willing to take faith risks. So somebody said one time, how do you spell faith? It's spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is a risk. And you, you and I, if we're going to see God, God, by the way, God works through moving objects, not through objects that are like, I'm, I'm immovable. I'm just gonna, you know, if God wants me, I'll be watching TV. He can get a hold of me. No, he works through moving objects. As we're, so we, we, when we see the opportunity, 
uh, there's a line in front of us, and on this side of the line, we're afraid, or I don't know what to say, or, or I don't want to do it, or I don't want to take the time, or I don't feel like it right now, Lord. But if we'll step across the line, his grace will come upon us, and his power will come upon us, and we'll become a different kind of person. We'll, be, we'll have a boldness we didn't know before. So let's all stand. I want to just end with this. I want to pray over us. I hope this message was convicting. <laughs> if it isn't, then I'm in the right church. Come on. Then we need to get this message out to everybody else that needs to hear this message, right? And so I want to pray for us and praying for myself. You know, I just want to... You know, the Bible says we're to redeem the time for the days are evil. What does redeem time mean? It means bring natural time into supernatural time. It means to bring natural time into kingdom time. It means, it means to buy, the word actually means to buy time, to buy back time. And so I don't know how many years you have. I don't know how many years I have left, but I want to make sure I'm using the, doing the best use of the time while I have on this planet. Are you all with me? How many of you say, I'm in for that? Listen, if you're over 60 or 70, you're like, I better be into that. <laughs> so, Father, I'm going to pray for you. If you want to receive prayer, just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, I thank you for the precious people of Harvest Church, saints, people that know you and want to make you known. God, I pray for just... Your word says when we come together in Hebrews chapter 10, we're to stimulate one another, stir up one another into love and good deeds. God, I pray for a whole new level of divine appointments. I pray for a whole new level of, of acts of obedience to be released upon the people of Harvest Church. I pray for a grace. I pray for a power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And they're going to have a new level of boldness and confidence. And they're going to be miracle workers. Lord, I decree that over them in the name of Jesus. If you receive that, say amen. amen. Let's say, let's shout amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. Amen. Well, guys, as we finish up uh, this morning, we have, I, I left my phone over there. But there was a thing I was going to have on my phone that was deep and, and, and moving. I can't remember it. But we did this, uh, this the song we're going to finish with uh, this morning is called Fresh Wind. And it was, you know, so relatable to what Fred was saying earlier. Um, but the way that, you know, the worship pastors who wrote it when they were saying is they really feel like there is a, a time right now. And just in our world, in our country, that, uh, that we're just dying. We're, we're calling out for this, this anointing of the Holy Spirit and this new kind of wave of His presence just to, to fall upon us. And that's what this song is about. It's, you know, asking and it's declaring like, Lord, give us a fresh wind. Give us a new, exciting opportunity to, uh, to just to worship You and to, to have You in our, in our midst. So uh, just think of that as we, as we sing this out, as we worship uh, to, to close our morning together. As we repent and turn from sin, revival.
Father, that is our, Lord, our prayer this morning, that You would just pour Your Spirit out, Father, Lord. Be with us as we, as we leave this place and go back into this, this world, Father, that would leave change, Lord, just knowing that we have just encountered the true and living God in this place this morning. Lord Jesus, that we would go out into this, uh, this a non-believing world, Lord, just as believers seeking to just further Your kingdom in this place. Lord, that you would just blow through this nation, Lord. Blow through this state, Lord, through this town. Father, that people who are once far from you, Lord, would draw close to you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God of miracles. You are a, a God who wants to fill us, Father. And Lord, see your work and your kingdom come in this place, Jesus. Lord, help us just to, to further your kingdom as we can. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you just for, for a touch of heaven that we're able to experience this morning. Lord, we just, uh, we lift these things up and we, we give you thanks, Father. In your precious, precious name, amen.